0: From Pandas Rule Productions and Triple J Studios, this is the 12th Dad Podcast. Welcome to the 12th Dad Podcast, your home for simple, family friendly breaking down of Seahawks action, news, and history. I am your host, the 12th Dad himself, JJ Johnston. And I just want to welcome you to our first episode ever. I apologize, the delay in getting this first episode out has been a little bit frustrating for us here at the 12th Dad Podcast. We had some issues with the old microphone, so we had to order a new one. Um, It was causing some squeaking, and we definitely don't want to have that as you are trying to listen to a podcast, because that just sounds terrible. So this is just a kind of pet project of mine, something close to my heart. I've been a Seahawks fan my entire life. And now my son has started to get into the Seahawks as well. So it's something we can do together. He is going to be running the soundboard as I talk. Maybe do some co-hosting, guest hosting here eventually as he warms up to the idea of talking into a microphone. But for now, he's going to be behind the scenes. Today on our first episode ever, we're going to run through just a few topics that have been building up since we put together our first ever trailer. So that way um, we can now move into some actual topics instead of just a preview of what we're going to do um, as we navigate running this podcast. Uh, So for this first episode, of course, we're going to talk about Geno Smith Kind of our big breakout story from this last year and, um, kind of what he means to the team and him coming back. We're going to dive a little bit into free agency, um, kind of just a brief overview. And I think we'll do a whole nother episode on breaking down a little bit more what some of these signings actually mean, uh, for the team in this upcoming season. We've had some draft news some trades, um, You know, pro days, combine, all these fun things that have happened uh, in the last month, and kind of some news and some thoughts about what all is going on and how that affects the Seahawks. So that's kind of where we're going to start for this first ever episode. Um, I'm really excited to talk with you all about the Seahawks. We've got an off season full of news and training camps and rookie camps and just lots of things that we can kind of dive in deeper. Um, if you've never done that before, this is a good place to start, uh, because it kind of gives you uh, a good background of what we can look for as we move into preseason and then the regular season from, from this team this year. And then, um, you know interspersed throughout this offseason uh one thing i'd really like to go over is some of the history of this team um you know i've been a fan since i was a kid but i mean there's history that uh predates my fandom that i would like to delve more into as well as some of the stuff that happened as i grew to become a seahawks fan uh because it'll be fun to Not only introduce my son to some of those things, but also to all of you who may be a new Seahawks fan or, you know, know a Seahawks fan or want to become a Seahawks fan. um, Because I think there's a lot of good history and lots of players from the past that uh, really still impact this team and this franchise. And I mean, for sure, they impact my fandom. Um, so it'll be really fun to, to go into all of that with you all. All right, so let's first, we're going to talk about Geno Smith, because why not? All right, thank you for that round of applause. So I think one of the big things that this team did this year in this offseason is signing Gino to a multi-year deal. Uh, we avoided the franchise tag, uh, which I will dive into more a little bit later talking about what that means if a player is on the franchise tag, but we avoided that, and I think that's a good thing uh, when we're talking about working with Gino Smith. He really wanted to be back on this team. He made the Pro Bowl this last year. I mean, he I, th- I had some issues with how he played. I thought he took some sacks that he didn't need to when he could have thrown the ball away. I thought he missed some throws. Um, but I, I think overall he didn't lose us as many games as I thought he might this year. And, and I think he deserved to be rewarded. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what his contract is, what it means, um, and how it you know, kind of, Affects this team this next year and over the three years of the deal. So ultimately in total It would be three years 105 million dollars There is a 75 million dollar base salary for that. So he is going to earn that and then there is 30 million dollars in incentives. So more it's like a three-year 75 million dollar deal and then there's 30 extra million that he can earn uh, over the lifetime of this contract. Uh, if he hits all his incentives this next season, 52 million of that would come this next season, which sounds like a lot um, because it is. It is a lot. Um, you know, you look at someone like Patrick Mahomes, who I think is making around 45 million uh, per season, and he just won his second Super Bowl. So, He's a lot better and a lot more valuable to his team than Geno Smith. Um, So $52 million does seem like a lot, um, but it's mostly incentives. So he has to hit certain levels of performance in order to make that much money. Um, I don't want to bet against Geno, but I think the odds are slim that he makes all $52 million uh, this next season. The thing I like about it, Gino is betting on himself on this contract. He's saying, I'm good enough to earn most, if not all, of the money on this contract. This team is good enough to help me get most, if not all, of this money on this contract. And I love that. I love a player that's going to bet on himself. I love a player that says, I'm good enough to do this. I'm good enough to earn this much money. Um, The other thing I like is that it's only three years. So, if he performs well over the next three years, or if he doesn't even make it all three years in this contract, which is a potential possibility as well if we end up drafting a replacement, he'll still get one more chance to make some more money, sign another contract, play a few more years, and earn some money after this. It's not a long-term deal that kind of locks him up until retirement. Um, So, overall, I think it's a great deal for him. Um... you know, for someone who wants to bet on themselves like Gino does, I think he's felt doubted over the course of his career. Um, kicked to the curb a couple times by some teams. He backed up Russ for a few years before finally getting his chance to start. And he proved, you know, that he's he's worth some money um, and he's worth being a starting quarterback. Uh, now for kind of how it uh, affects the team. So. When we're talking football, we're talking contracts. We're really focusing on how does it affect the salary cap? Teams get a specific amount of money each year to spend on players for their team. So the more money you spend on one player, the less money you have to spend on the rest of your team. So how each contract affects your salary cap is super important. Um, Not all of the money somebody earns each year goes towards the salary cap, it's something we'll probably have to spend an entire episode breaking down just because it has so many different, you know, ways teams can work around the salary cap. So for instance, Geno's cap hit this year is only $10 million. So while he can potentially earn 52 million, it only counts towards 10 million of our salary cap this year which saves us lots of room to sign free agents, make sure that our guys currently on the team are getting paid. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think it's a really good team friendly contract, at least for this year. Uh, by the end of the contract. So in, you know, two more years when we're hitting that third year of the contract, it does go up to $33 million for our cap hit. Um, I don't, like that a whole lot i don't think um gino's the quarterback i want to spend you know that much of our salary cap on um especially in the long term if he um you know starts to slow down um as you know he's further on is in his career um so it might be something where he doesn't make it all three years the team takes a little bit of a cap hit but saves some money on the salary cap in that third year when it does get up to $33 So there is, you know, uh, a chance then that he could go sign somewhere else and, uh, you know, make more money or re-sign with us to a more team-friendly contract, you know, in that third year. So I think the ultimate question, I think you can hear it in how I've explained it, do I like this contract? I love this contract, actually, for both the team and for Geno. Um, you know, when I first saw the contract, I thought, holy smokes, we're paying Geno $35 million a year. And that just seems like an exorbitant amount. But once you dig into it and you kind of look at how it, you know, both impacts Geno, it impacts the team. I actually do think it's a it's a really good contract. He's going to get to bet on himself. He's going to get a chance to earn that full contract, and the team's able to lessen the impact on the salary cap, go out and sign some free agents, pay some of the guys on the team that need a new contract, that want to restructure their contract. And, and so ultimately, I think it works for both parties, uh, maybe more so for the Seahawks than for Geno. But... You know, I will never fault a guy for betting on himself and and saying, you know, you might not think I'm worth this much money, but I'm going to earn this much money and show you that I am worth it. Um, So overall, I think it's a great signing. It brings back, you know, our quarterback from this last year. So there's some continuity. We don't have a brand new quarterback again, um, you know, which just can always come with its bumps in the road. and so. I'm really excited. I think it you know, the, the team the offense will be even better this next year with Gino even more comfortable as it's his second year starting. Um so overall, yes. I love it. I'm ready for this season. I think our offense will be fantastic again because it was great this last year, and I think it can only get better as everyone gets more comfortable with each other moving on from Russell Wilson. All right, and we talked about Gino. Now we're going to move into talking about free agency. Awesome! Oh, yeah. Free agency is awesome. So we had totally intended on recording this two weeks ago, even earlier than that, uh, before free agency started. Uh, But, again, we had technical difficulties that... um, delayed us being able to record our first episode so free agency began um, on the fifteenth of March and that's when players can officially start signing contracts with new teams so if their contract is up, they don't have a team they are they have agreed to play with uh, for this next season they can start signing. Uh, that new contract for the next season. The funny thing is there is now what's called a, I'm doing air quotes, legal tampering period uh, that begins two days prior to free agency, which is where free agents can visit teams, negotiate contracts and all that kind of fun stuff, Um, but they can't officially sign until the 15th don't know why they need two extra free days to do that before they start signing contracts uh, but that is what the NFL has agreed with with um, the NFL Players Association so they have two free days to negotiate visit teams you know talk about contracts uh, but they can't officially you know go and sign on the dotted line until March 15th. Um, so that's been going on for about two weeks now. Usually, what happens is you see a flurry of deals in the first, you know, day or two, maybe even the first, you know, into the first weekend, um, as you know, some of the top names are signed um, to those big contracts early on, and then it just starts to slow down. Uh, we're getting kind of now into the point where things are slowing down a little bit. We're a month away from the draft. Um, teams are starting to put more of their focus on the draft than free agency. They've kind of filled some of those spots and now they're looking to the draft to fill things. Um, you know, those holes in their roster. Um, and then after the draft, we'll see some more free agent signings as teams weren't able to maybe grab the the prospect that they wanted. Draft the guys that they wanted. Uh, so they'll have some holes to fill post draft. Uh, but. I did mention in our Geno Smith segment uh, the franchise tag, and so I kind of wanted to go into a little more about what that is and what it means uh, for these NFL free agents, because if you're, you know, not a long-time football fan, uh, that just might sound really weird to you. Uh, so each year, each team gets one franchise tag they can designate on a player. They have a deadline where they can assign that franchise tag to someone and then that player is under a one-year contract uh, for a set amount and usually what that is is it uh, they take the average of the top five guys for that position uh, money-wise and they average that out and that is what uh, that player gets for that one year so this year it was just over 32 million dollars for quarterbacks uh, so if Geno Smith had been on the franchise tag, he would have had a one-year, thirty-two million dollar contract um, to to play for the Seahawks teams. Then teams and and that franchise-tagged player then have until uh, July 17th to agree to terms on a long-term contract extension. Um, thereby, then. Uh, negating that franchise tag and that player has a long-term contract on the books. Um, They're not playing on any sort of one-year deal. There is one caveat to that franchise tag. There's two different designations that players can get. There is the exclusive franchise tag and the non-exclusive franchise tag. Exclusive franchise tag means the player can only negotiate with their team that franchise tag them. So um, if we had put the exclusive franchise tag on Geno Smith, he would be under that one-year contract. He would only be allowed to negotiate with the Seahawks and he would have that one-year deal um, if nothing was agreed to by uh, July 17th. There's also the non-exclusive franchise tag where Uh, that player can go, they can explore, you know, can I get a contract somewhere else? You know, will somebody sign me to a long-term contract? Will somebody pay me more than, you know, the franchise tag? Um, Once they have that offer in hand, that player can then goes back to that contract, the agreed upon terms, goes back to the original team, and they can match that exclusive, you know, that offer to that uh, player. Um, and keep that player on that long term deal. So I think, you know, one of the biggest names in free agency is Lamar Jackson, quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens slapped the franchise tag on him, but they put a non exclusive franchise tag on him. So currently he's at a one year, $32 million deal with the Baltimore Ravens, but he has the freedom to go out and negotiate a long term contract with any team. Let's say. You know, there's the Houston Texans are desperate for a quarterback. They negotiate a huge deal with Lamar Jackson, you know, five years, $250 million or, you know, whatever Lamar is looking for. That then goes back to the Ravens and the Ravens can say, yeah, we'll pay you five years, $250 million or whatever um, that offer is. And then he stays with the Ravens on that five-year deal. If they say, Uh, no dice. We're not going to pay you that much. Have fun in Houston. He's now a Houston Texan, um, for the life of that contract. Currently Lamar Jackson is still out there. There's no deal on the table for him. Um, and it is actually an interesting story to look at. You know, if you're wanting to dive into why can't a player who's, you know, won an MVP, um, get that long-term contract. And, and I think part of it is, you know, Lamar has an injury history where he's missed a lot of games the last couple of years, uh, because he is, you know, more of a, a mobile quarterback. He puts himself, you know, in situations where he does take hits because he runs a lot. Uh, but he also has a lot of talent. And so he's kind of one story that I'm just, you know, kind of just watching from a distance because I don't think the Seahawks are players in any sort of Lamar Jackson deal. Um, And I would kind of hope not because he doesn't fit the style of football that Pete Carroll likes to play. Um, But uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens with, you know, where he ends up um, because he's now demanding a trade, which is also interesting because he's under that, You know, exclusive or non exclusive franchise tax, so he can go negotiate with anyone. So the need for a trade shouldn't be there. Um, So it's definitely, you know, kind of the free agency story to watch right now as he navigates that because he's also doing this without any sort of agent. So he's doing all his own negotiating. um, And while that saves him some money because he doesn't have to pay an agent a portion of that contract. It also then puts a lot of that, um, you know, negotiating and and needing to know the ins and outs of contracts. It puts that all on him, uh, not somebody that's representing him. Um, So some non-Seahawk news for you in in that sense. um, But just, you know, an interesting football story to watch this offseason as we see what, you know, a former MVP can get in free agency. Um, navigating around this non-exclusive franchise tag. All right. Now, our next segment, we're going to talk about some of the free agent uh, off-season signings that the Seahawks have made uh, so far. Perfect. So we discussed earlier, we signed Geno Smith. Probably one of our biggest, you know, offseason moves that was made even before the start of free agency. He didn't even get to free agency uh, because we were able to get him in um, before that even started. Seahawks also managed to bring back Drew Locke, uh, Geno's backup this last year. So we have consistency at starting and backup quarterback this next season, which is always really important. You know, your quarterback runs your offense. You want that to be as consistent as possible. Uh, that's why the teams that have a different starting quarterback every year have really struggled. Um, you know, think of the Washington Commanders, the Indianapolis Colts, lack of consistency. They I mean, Washington had a better season than anyone thought this last year, but Indianapolis really struggled uh, because of that lack of consistency at quarterback. Um you know, we have a couple guys who have been away for a year or a few years that are coming back to our team. Jaron Reed, uh, defensive lineman, is coming back to the team after a few years away. Very exciting. Uh, can make a good impact on that defensive line, bring a veteran presence, knows Seattle. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. Also, I think my favorite Of the free agent signings. I don't know if Gino really counts as a free agent signing because he was our free agent. But Bobby Wagner is back, baby. Love me some Bobby Wagner. Um, Just a wonderful guy. Great player. You know, historically going to go down as one of the best Seahawks we've ever seen. Um, So I'm really excited he's back. And then uh, some guys who have never played for us before that are joining the team this year. Um, Defensive end, defensive lineman from Denver, uh, Draymond Jones uh, is coming in. Big impact signing, kind of an unusual signing for uh, Schneider and Carroll in our front office uh, to make a big splash Uh, free agency signing really early on. Uh, Another guy is uh, Julian Love from the New York Giants, a safety, uh, which is a little bit of an interesting signing just because we have Quandry Diggs and Jamal Adams back there. Um, So that's kind of something interesting I would like to keep uh, my eyes on is how they plan to employ all three safeties that are being paid starting safety money. Uh, But, you know, I'd really like to get into especially those last four signings, I'd like to get into those a little bit more. Um, So we'll probably have a more in-depth free agency episode coming up uh, next time just because there's so much information to get out in this first episode because a lot has happened since we started this podcast, had some recording issues. um, So we would have had multiple episodes by now, but just a lot to cover. So I'd like to look at those things a little bit more in depth uh, because I have one more segment I'd like to get to in this first episode. So we'll probably go, you know, do a breakdown of those four deals and and how I can see those impacting the team this next year um, in in probably our next episode because I'd like to do two more episodes before, Uh, We get to the draft, which is only four weeks away and, uh, you know, maybe even two episodes geared towards the draft um, and what we could see the Seahawks doing um, with all their picks in this next draft in this upcoming draft. All right. And for our last segment, we're going to do around the league. So I just want to talk about two trades that have happened that I believe really impact uh, the Seahawks and this upcoming season. So the first one was a trade between the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers. So for this trade, Chicago is going to get Carolina's number nine pick in the first round and number 61 pick this season. Next season, they're getting Carolina's first round pick. And then in 2025, they're getting a second round pick. um, And they're going to also receive wide receiver DJ Moore Moore from Carolina. Carolina now gets Chicago's number one overall draft pick. So what does this mean for the Seahawks? More than likely, Chicago is not going to take a quarterback. They have Justin Fields. Probably weren't planning on uh, taking a quarterback with that first overall pick. Carolina now jumps the Seahawks more than likely to take their future star quarterback with that number one overall pick. For me, I didn't want the Seahawks to pick a quarterback with the number five pick. Dino was great last year. He's under contract for three years. I don't think uh, that number five pick was going to be used towards a quarterback. But with the teams that are ahead of the Seahawks, it looks like Three, maybe even four quarterbacks could go uh, before the Seahawks pick at number five, which means we could end up with the option of either Javon Carter or Will Anderson. Both are impact defensive linemen. Will Anderson's a defensive end. Carter's a a defensive lineman. Um, That could be impactful future stars on this defense um, which is where I think the Seahawks need to go uh, with at least that first pick is that impact defensive line uh, player, preferably someone that can rush the passer so we can get some pressure on these quarterbacks and shorten their time to throw, helping out our secondary. The other trade that, I, uh, that really caught my eye uh, was between the L.A. Rams and the Miami Dolphins. Um, the Dolphins are getting Jalen Ramsey. The Rams are going to get a third round pick in this upcoming draft and tight end Hunter Long. What does this mean? Well, I mean, the Rams get a third round pick. Um, so, you know, that's someone they can draft, but they're losing a shutdown cornerback. Um, I mean, I think of, you know, what Jalen Ramsey has done to DK Metcalf, um, I think DK Metcalfs have maybe one good game against the Rams um, since, you know, in facing Jalen Ramsey. And so I think, um, you know, this is going to be helpful for our pass offense against the Rams when we play the Rams. And usually those games are somewhat high scoring. They're close. And so as we get down to those final minutes and we're, you know, looking to to score to either take the lead or we're looking to get that last first down you know to to run the clock out and dk now becomes a more viable option uh, because he's not lined up opposite jalen ramsey Um, there's also the rivalry between dk and jalen ramsey lots of talking lots of you know going after each other Um, i think about the play in the game this last year Against the Rams, Gino's running, DK's blocking Jalen Ramsey. Um, Gino runs out of bounds, and, and Jalen Ramsey gives him a shoulder, knocks him out of, out of you know, when he's already out of bounds. Uh, we get a 15-yard penalty from, you know, the late hit, unnecessary roughness, which was well-deserved. But there was a moment where DK and Jalen Ramsey were, you know, jarring back and forth, DK reaches into the face mask of Jalen Ramsey um, and, you know, kind of puts his hand in his face. We're really lucky DK didn't get a penalty for that. Um, You know, didn't get into any trouble for that. And, and, you know, that comes from that heated rivalry he has with Jalen Ramsey and, you know, kind of the physicality that both play with. Um, So I think in the short term, this is great for the Seahawks not having to see Jalen Ramsey twice uh, in a season. So definitely, definitely both were positive trades as far as what, you know, I think the Seahawks should do, what what it means for this upcoming season. Um, so um, very, very exciting things happening around the league that, that positively impact the Seahawks. Thank you so much for joining us for our first ever episode. I really appreciate you hanging in there and joining us uh, on this journey uh, through our Seahawks fandom. It is a roller coaster at times, uh, but we'll always have each other as fellow 12s, and that'll help us make it through. Uh, Till the next time, the 12th Dad is signing off.